1: I don't care what they might say, we love Jesus anyway. Today we continue our journey through Judges. We're focused on chapter 15, verses 11 through 20 today. We're looking at the life of Samson and the similarities between him and the gospel story in the New Testament. Samson, up next. mentioned this before, but it's worth repeating. A quick look at Samson, and you would think he was a rather shady prophet. A little crazy, off the cuff, and irreverent. But as we spend time exploring his life in depth, we come away with a clear view of the gospel laid out for us in the New Testament. And that's what we're doing today on way of grace with pastor jessica stand we invite you to join us today as we continue our look at judges 15 verses 11 through 20 and a message called samson
2: i thirst children are being taught in school from the earliest days to despise the authority of their parents now do y'all see that Listen, unthankful, if that's not a canopy for the disposition of the attitude of men and women whom God gives breath to breathe every day, I don't know what is. The fact that you are breathing should give you cause to thank God. Let everything that hath breath praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Right. See, because if he's letting you live, you have a purpose. If he's letting you breathe, you have a purpose. Do you know a million people die every day on this planet? They, their last breath was taken this morning. You're still here. You're still here. Unholy. Verse 3, I want to get to my, my verses. Without natural affection, this is the whole crazy LGBTQXYZ. 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, and on and on and on. That's what we are. We don't even know what we are. Now, you know we didn't took something. We don't know what we are. We use the bathroom one way. For one group of people. And then we used the bathroom another way for another group of people. Is that right? That never changed. And yet one day we woke up thinking we was the other thing. But we still used the bathroom the way we did. See what I'm saying? You see how crazy we get it? And then it's becoming enforced as a law. It's hate speech that will bind you again. If you even think about it. Don't tell me we're in good times. People are scared to even think. That's not right. I better hold my peace. So now they got you inside your head. You're not even free in your mind. That is what we know is mass psychosis and Marxist socialism. When they get in your brain and tell you to better shut up, you better not say it. Ain't nothing free about a person like that. Ain't nothing free about a person like that. False accusers, truce breakers, incontinent, fierce, despisers of those that are what? Right. This is what I meant by becoming an enemy of righteousness. When somebody is actually telling you the truth, if you have a repulsion against them, an aversion to them, an apathetic response to them, then you are now also one who despises those who are good. Am I making sense? Right, and I'm telling you, the enemy can work on you while you're asleep so that you wake up actually hating the people of God who are telling the truth. Just letting you guys know this right now, verse 5. Sorry, stay there. Traitors, heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasure more than what? There it is. There it is. Is that true? Right, see, this is something we all have to be delivered from. Would you agree? We all have to be delivered from the idol of pleasure. Pleasure is good, but it has to be subordinated to God. It has to have parameters put on it, doesn't it? God didn't make you for pleasure. He made pleasure for you. Through the prism of a right relationship with God, then you and I can enjoy all things freely that are lawful. But you and I don't get to wake up every day Uh, making the world act as if its only reason for existence is to please me. Right, see, again, that's taking God's place, isn't it? Lovers of pleasure more than God. Verse five, having a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof, from such do what? Which means verses one through four was not talking about secular folk, but church folk. Having a form of godliness. You look like you're Christian, but you're not. And what he's saying to good men and women who are trying to fight this good fight, leave those folks alone. See, those are the Judites. They enjoyed the Philistines ruling over them. So there's always a trade-off, child of God. Would you agree? There's always a trade-off. Whenever you and I are going to the same well over and over and over again, isn't there a reward in that well? Come on now, help me. There's a reward there. You and I never pursue something that doesn't give us a reward as a motivational drive to go back after it. And so the flesh always rewards you with pride and lust. And ego and pride and lust and ego and tell you, you can have all of that every time you come to that well. From such turn away, verse six, for of this sort are they which creep in the houses and the league, captive, silly women laden with sin, led away with divers lust. This is why the uh, feminists hate the apostle Paul right there. This is why they hate him. Because what he says is, unfortunately, in this struggle of uh, social manipulation, women often are at the front of that because of their emotional instability and insecurity. Women frequently will be taken in by the huckster, by the false prophet or the false prophetess, and they will be told that their fundamental purpose for existence is pleasure and power. That's where I am with my sisters today. My sisters think that they have been made for pleasure and power and not the glory of God. And this here is one of the fundamental keys that's breaking up a relationship with men and women at the heterosexual level. Silly women laden with sin. Paul is using a term there anatomically that says they are small-brained. Being small-brained means you don't think well. Now, obviously, the devil believed that, didn't he? Because he came after the woman and not the man in the beginning. He figured he could tickle her emotions and get her to turn in treason against God. And it worked. And so what. What you and I are looking at in this text is not a male chauvinistic prophet of God, but a brother that's telling women, telling uh, men and women, and particularly godly women, you need to step up and make your game to be solid by having a mind that's rooted in God and rooted in God's word. That's what he's saying to you. Because what we're dealing with are a bunch of women that's operating out of power and pleasure at the expense of God's approval and at the expense of a relationship with good men. That's where we are today. And what I understand from the statistics and the data, women in this situation are worse off psychologically and emotionally than they ever have been. In other words, you cannot be happy occupying a position of power that belongs to God. Well, let me keep going. Verse 7, verse 7, ever learning and never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. So you know that little, that little blue ring that, that's, that, the hang up ring on your computer. Do-, Do y'all know that one? That's women in the church who haven't come to a proper understanding of the person and work of Christ and have not experienced the power to put them in the right place so they can be blessed by the grace of God in their calling as biblical women. Yes. The, computer is still, the computer of the brain is still going, woo, woo, and that's why they run here and there and sit up under all of these different false prophets and false teachers so that their ear can be itched by something that doesn't correspond with biblical truth. I'm making some sense, right? Am I making some sense? I'm talking about the bondage that takes place in the life of the people of God at our own will. Here it is, verse 8. Now, as James and Jonas and John withstood Moses, so do these also do what? This is your parallel. What is Paul talking about? He understood in Hebrew uh, 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 traditions in the Talmud and the Halakha. He understood that the names of the magicians that were working for Pharaoh rose up in opposition to Moses and Aaron. You guys remember those two brothers? Why was Moses and Aaron raised up? To liberate the people of God out of Egypt. What did the magicians do? They parodied God. They mimicked God. They came with false miracles doing the same thing the true prophets did in order to resist the people of God from being set free. Am I making some sense? Well, then understand this as we move to our final point. You being free, me being free, us being free is a battle. It's just a battle. You never, you will never experience true freedom unless you're willing to fight for it. And God has the grace you to fight. Now watch this. This is what goes on our text. Let's go back because I want to get into point number three. This is so extremely important. So under point number two, sub point A, his submission is God's strength. Is that what I argued? Do you guys remember that? His submission was God's strength. Somebody came to me after the uh, message two weeks ago and say, what are you talking about? Remember, I told you that uh, Samson was uh, endowed from before his conception to be a what? Nazarite. Do you guys remember that? And so a Nazarite was somebody that was set apart from God from the womb, not only from the womb, but in the womb. So that his mother had to actually behave in a fashion that would keep him from being uh, impacted uh, epigenetically in his physiology by her engaging in certain kinds of foods. Because, you know, that gets transferred to the baby or drinking wine that would get transferred to the baby. Y'all know about all that today. You know, we are folks that are coming out of the womb addicted to all kinds of things because of the behavior of our parents. Y'all are y'all hearing what I'm saying? And a sanctified child that is a Nazarite child is kept before they come out of the womb. So when they come out of the womb, they are consecrated unto God. Samson lived a consecrated life all the way up. And his consecration looked like what he said. It looked like what he looked like. It looked like the habits and customs and patterns of his life. In other words, Samson was different. And I told you, you and I can easily surmise, we can easily uh, project into his life that if Samson grew up and hanging out in the hood with all of the normal kids, he had to deal with opposition just because he didn't look the same and didn't act the same. So he had to be ridiculed. He had to be mocked. He had to be scorned. He had to be uh, provoked. Am I making sense? But his mom and daddy loved God. And they did exactly what God told them to do. And that brother grew up to become strong in the Lord and in the power of God's might. Isn't that the way you want your sons to be? Yeah. That's the way you want your sons to be. So God gave an emblem to, um, to Samson and he gave the same emblem to John the Baptist. And he gave this same emblem to every uh, Nazarite. And that is that the hair was not to be cut. And what I shared with you a couple of weeks ago is that because the hair not being cut is a symbol of submission to God. It's a symbol of submission to God. This is the only time that the Hebrew men were not to have their hair cut. It was a strict law in the Deuteronomic code that men were not to dress like women. And women were not to dress like men. It's a strict code in the, in the code of Deuteronomy that we are not to be so confused in our outward dress that when a person looks at you, they go, now, what is that? <laughs> are you hearing me? Yes. And when you're walking down the street and you got a girl, her hair. Back in the day, should be longer than yours. Now, now uh, there's a caveat. I'm putting some parentheses there right there. I'm going to hold that for a minute. But when you and I intentionally create confusion, we're working for the devil. Because God is not the author of confusion. And women are beautiful as women. They don't need to be anything else. Am I making some sense? I fought these battles many years ago. Well, Pastor, how long can I have be? Because, you know, I'm going to get in trouble now. Some of us have curly hair. The sister jumped all on me when I talked about nappy hair. I'm sorry. So some of us got nappy hair. The point is, is that men and women are supposed to be different. They're supposed to be different. So in that culture, the Israelites and the Arabics and the folks in the Middle East, they depicted that by women's hair actually growing out. That was a principle of distinction and a principle of category. Am I making some sense? A distinction between a man and a woman. We, we don't have any such custom in the church today. Paul said that as well. We don't, we don't beat women down if they don't have long hair. I understand. I really do. I understand. But, you know, they got all kind of what they call prophylactics out there. You, you do know that. I'm just saying. First um, Corinthians chapter 11, verse 13. First Corinthians 11:13. 13. Listen to what it says. Judge in yourselves. Is it appropriate that a woman pray unto God? What? Uncover. Right again, this is a traditional thing. It does not pass over into uh, all sectors of life, particularly where we are today. Back in the day, church folk used to argue and fight out in the parking lot about women wearing hats in the church. Do y'all remember that? I got 20 minutes with y'all help you with that. Do some church history right now. Back in the day when women just felt like these was your Baptist women and your Methodist women, you had to wear your hats. And it was okay for a minute, the nice little brims and everything. But after a while, the hat got big and hard. And then the folks sitting behind you can't even see the the preacher because you just decided to wear your big old Penelope hat. Right? You see how we can take a thing and just mess up? You take a symbol and make it the substance rather than understanding what we're talking about as categorical distinctions between men and women. I like distinctions. You don't like distinctions? I like distinctions. I like women looking like women. And men looking like men. I really do. I understand we got a spectrum. Don't get me wrong. We got a, There are very few differences between men and women at the biological level, particularly if women don't, you know, keep it up because they can have a beard and mustaches and everything. I do understand all that. I really do. I really do. I'm just saying we closer than we close, we close, we close, we close. And that's why I'm willing to pay for sisters getting manicures and pedicures. and I'm willing to pay. I'm willing to pay. Yes, I am willing to pay. Get down, get down. I'm willing to pay. Yeah, put some high heels on and dress right. You're glorifying God in your body, which is his. And, uh, and you brothers cut your hair at your hair. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, uh, 11, verse 14 tells us these words. Do not even nature itself teach you that if a woman have long hair, it is a shame unto him. Uh, that if a man have long hair, it is a shame to him. Now, so you, you and I know that Paul is speaking by inspiration of the spirit. He's dealing with a cultural problem that occurred in that day. And it's the same problem that's occurring in our day. And I'll just help you with that because I do have time to deal with this final point. And that is this. Cor- Corinth was as corrupt and perverse and sexually twisted as any culture in the Middle East at that time, in the Roman Empire. Corinth was very, very bad. In fact, it was euphemistically named Corinthianized. It would be like San Francisco or New York in terms of their overt sexual perversion. Am I making sense? And the women frequently cut their hair in protest of being women because they wanted to act like men. And the women in the secular um, religions in that day, you can look this up in the Delphi oracles uh, would want to be priestess in their uh, secular temples. And guess what they would do? They would cut all their hair off and wear the um, the sacerdotal garb and look like a priest. And you couldn't tell whether it was a male or a female. Are y'all hearing now? I've told this church this for 20 years. What you see in the Bible in the categories of religious aberration and religious apostasy in the scriptures has now all been secularized. Like all of your demons and all of your titles in the Old Testament, they're all part of our institutions now. All of the pagan gods are uh, nominations of our institutions today. And all of our practices are fundamentally secular and carnal. Once again, embracing all of the behavior of those things that the scriptures had categorized as wicked and sinful and ungodly. Am I making some sense? And now we got our education system promoting it at the youngest ages. And we're supposed to be happy about it. No, I'm not happy about it. And you shouldn't be happy about it either. Hence, you got a battle on your hands. So again, don't come up to me after church talking about, Pastor, how long can I wear my hair before it's legitimate? <laughs> Two inches. I'm kidding. Okay, I already told you we don't play that here at Grace. This is not a legalistic church. Your dress don't have to be over your knees. Y'all remember the day? The sisters had to walk into church like this. <laughs> we're not talking like that. We're talking about being decent and not seductive. That's what we're talking about. We're children of grace. This is why Paul will say it in the next verse. Look at verse 15. Notice what he says. But if a woman have long hair, it's a glory to her for her hair is given to her for a what? It's because the woman is a type of the submissive party in the male-female relationship. God made the man first, then the woman. They work together in complementary relationship, him being the head, she being the body. And that's a picture of the church of Christ. When we're right as the people of God, we are the bride of Christ. Our job is to submit to Jesus, not run Jesus, not tell him what to do, not take the authority of his word and throw it behind our back and start our own tradition. That is the modern woman of this day that God is not pleased with. Please understand that. If you despise the authority that God has laid down, ladies, you are a modern woman and you are in danger of the judgment of God. And so here her hair is given for her covering. Verse 16. I love the way Paul Paul put it. But if any man seems to be what? Because people love to argue. God will come down himself and give you the email. He'll give you the text. Jesus will give you the text. That this is the way we're doing it. And then y'all will argue about it. That's church folk. You and I need to receive the engrafted word of God with meekness, and simply ask God, give us grace to be able to walk in the truth of God's word.
1: Well, you are listening to Way of Grace with Pastor Jesse Gastand from Grace Bible Church here in Hayward. Closing out our time together today, we invite you to reach out to us. Let us know how the program encourages you in your walk with Christ. Questions, comments, prayer requests are always welcome. You can either write to us, give us a call, or stop by our website and drop us an email. Now, the best place to go, of course, is the website. Not only will you be able to write to us via email, you'll be able to get more information about who we are, what we believe, Worship times, how to get here. Grace-bible.com is our website. Again, that's grace-bible.com. If you wish to give us a call, the number is 510-886-9782. That's 510-886-9782. If you're writing to us, our address is 22768 Main Street. That's 22768. 768 Main Street here in Hayward, the zip code 94541. That's 22768 Main Street, Hayward, California, 94541. One final note as we close out our time today this program is listener supported. If you wish to partner with us, we would be more than grateful. This broadcast airs throughout the Bay Area, as well as online, impacting thousands for the sake of Christ. And that is our hope and our goal. If you'd like to partner with us along those lines, feel free to write or give us a call. No gift is too large, no gift too small, whether a one-time gift or a monthly support. You're more than welcome to reach out. We would love to partner with you as we minister the gospel of Jesus to the Bay Area and the World Wide Web. Thank you for spending time with us today. Until next time, may Christ be your way of grace. I don't care what they might say,
2: we love Jesus anyway. I don't care what they might say,
1: we love Jesus anyway.